All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is a Web Canopy Studio production. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of One Goal, the series on the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks with me, John Scott, and my main man, Tim Wurzberger. Tim, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I've been doing good. I've been anticipating this episode. I think this might be the, the most starstruck I've been talking to a guest on our show. Very excited. We get big names on our show. We get some decent interviews, but to get the biggest name in hockey to go on the best series in hockey, it's pretty, pretty cool. So I reached out to Patty Kane. I thought he was just going to ignore me and dust me and not say, not say anything and just not text me back like most people do. So <laughs> like I was, oh, yeah, except you. You, t- you text me back even before I've even asked you a question. You're like, you saw the dots and you're like, are you texting me? I'm here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I'm really excited. We're, we're at the Stanley Cup Finals. So these two teams took completely different paths to get here. Chicago ran through the regular season. They were 52, 22, and 8. The Flyers squeaked into the play. I don't want to say squeaked in, but they were a 500 team throughout the whole season. So they had some big upsets to get here. And here we are. Two good teams, Hall of Famers on either roster, a plenty. And it, it's when you're going into this, the Hawks are going to blow them out. They just breezed past the San Jose Sharks, and you're expecting another breeze past the Philadelphia Flyers the Sharks were a far superior team and now you're going up against the Flyers so let's get to Kane or let's stop beating around the bush so here he is Patty Kane Mr. MVP Mr. Hall of Famer Mr. Mr. Guy Patty take it away left it off the plate and it careened high to be taken to the outside by Sharp net empty extra attacker shot by Tatrion no all right so you just ripped San Jose for nothing. They were the best team in the league. 
and you swept them without even like you didn't even break a sweat. Those are my words, not yours. Um, <laughs> how confident are you guys going into Philly? They just had a hard seven game series versus the Bruins. They're, they're, you know, they're feeling good. They won four in a row. What's the mindset? How are the boys and what are you thinking going into game one? I think we're just, you know, thinking it's amazing to be in the finals. Um, you know, the year before we lost in the conference finals to Detroit. And we were still a pretty young team, so we knew we had kind of like a, a little bit of a learning curve. But everything happened pretty quick for, for our team um, in our younger years. And uh, for us to go to the finals, I mean, we were, we were ecstatic about that. And just throughout the year, I mean, talking to guys like John Madden and Andrew Ladd, who won Stanley Cups, like asking them what they thought of our team and – when they were saying, uh, you know, we think we're, we're we're good enough to win the cup, I think that was, uh, you know, kind of a big eye opener for a lot of us. So um, a lot of confidence. Um, I mean, we had a really young, confident group at the time too, and a lot of uh, a lot of good hockey players. So a lot of confidence in that regard. And uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen in hockey. So we're all just kind of looking forward to you know how the series is going to play out. Yeah, just excited, probably like. When did it click for you guys, you personally, during that season? Was it in the playoffs, the regular season that, hey, you know what? Like, we we could make, make a run at this. Because you guys lost to Detroit last year. When did it click? Was it the offseason getting Hosa? Like, getting – he's a big addition. Was yeah. it early or later? Like, when did that kind of click that we might have a chance here? Yeah, I think getting Hosa was huge. Um, you know, a lot of experience. He was actually hurt for like the first half of the year. He had shoulder surgery right before, mm-hmm. uh, right before the season. So uh, when we got him back, and I remember the first game back, like you said, San Jose is one of the best teams in the league. We played San Jose and we beat them like seven, seven to one, I want to say. And Hosa had two goals, and we were just, it was like, wow, is this a, a sign of things to come? But I mean, just throughout the whole season, like it was a long season. A lot of us went to the Olympics. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a long tournament and then coming back, um, a lot of hockey games in a short amount of time. So we were just kind of like, I don't want to say on cruise control, but we were ready to get to the playoffs. And I think once we had that, uh, you know, comeback on Nashville in game five, like we could have easily been down three, two, but we ended up tying it late and host scoring in overtime or we're up three, two. I think that was kind of like a big switch for us. Like, okay, we got a little bit of a break. Now we got the momentum and, uh, Let's see what we can do here. Let's go. Like, what were you doing on the penalty kill? What did Q say? Like, don't even go in your zone? Or like what? <laughs> Pretty much, What's, yeah. Just so that's stay my, out by uh, the red line? That's my only shorthanded goal in my career. You know, I've well, been in the league 13 kill. years. So, I mean, uh, um, but yeah, couldn't have come at a better time. And uh, he basically told me just, uh, you know, hang out in the neutral zone and try to get a break and that's what I was doing so it was pretty much like four on three and the other defenseman was kind of hanging out with me Martin Edrat threw a puck to the middle of the ice and Taser took it pretty much lugged it down the ice curled up and uh, I think he hit Seabrook Seabrook took a shot it hit Dunk's stick and like went right off the crossbar so like that was our chance right there yeah and then we recovered the puck kind of came around again like all five of us touched the puck uh, dunks to like sharpie taser siebs and then taser again and taser shot it just came on the stick like 
I was lucky enough just to be, you know, standing there and no one was covering me. And I think you can even watch the reaction after. I think Rene was like, how is this guy not covered at this point of the game? So <laughs> You might um, want to get a body on him. <laughs> yeah, emotions were flying high, you know. It was a five-minute power play for them. And yeah. We tied it up. That's... We still had to kill, like, four minutes, I want to say. And yeah. Posa came right out of the box and scored. So it was, uh, it was amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, anyways, that was round two, I think. So you're, you're going into the finals. I know Q does – you pick a player, you analyze him. Who did you get for that series? Do you remember? The finals? Yeah. So we didn't do it the, that the, oh, that year in obviously. the finals. We uh, so what was what a happening? Stupid question. We did no, no, it's not a stupid question. It's a good question. We uh, so we we did it the first round and the second round, and I think you know Burrish was just like taking this thing by storm. Like he was putting so much effort into it. He had like bulletin boards. He had videos. He had everything. <laughs> so. Q told Burrish in the third round, you know, why don't you just do the whole team yourself? And he basically did it. He did like a PowerPoint presentation um, against San Jose. That was hilarious. So then we went again. So then he's like, Burr, just do it again. And Burr put together like this 10, 15 minute video of like all of our players, like pretending to be like certain guys on our team and just like talking about other players, like, we're like so much better than him. It was, it was hilarious. Like guys were laughing so hard. Like I don't want to get into it because some of the stuff's probably pretty like, yeah, sensitive, yeah. but it was like, yeah. like for a hockey locker room. I mean, it was, it was hysterical. So bird did an amazing job with that. That's funny. So yeah. you, did you know who you're going to match up against the first two games were at home? Yeah. You're matching like, lines. as far so you, as like, uh, yeah. Like did, did Q say, we're going to, we're going to try to get you against Briere or we're going to try yeah. to get you against, so, like, keep you we away were, from Pronger. Right, right. So, uh, if I remember correctly, going into that series, like Mike Richards was on fire for Philly. So, like Bowen's line was going to match up against him, and then we were just going to play against like my line with uh, with Taser and Buff was going to play against uh, Briere and or like Drew, you know. And yeah, then yeah. Sharpie's line would match up against whoever, and then you know, no matter what, we were going to find ourselves on the ice against Pronger because he was playing like twenty five to thirty minutes. So you're going to see him at some point. Um, I think he blew me up once in the finals, but, uh, um, he was tough to play against. You know, he was big. He didn't care about like cross-checking or slashing or taking a penalty that way. He took a few penalties in the finals, but, um, he was tough to play against for sure. And obviously he was a, a great offensive defenseman too. So they had a lot of good players on that team. Yeah. It was like both teams were just stacked when you look yeah. at the roster and then like they were both super young with like, they had Carter and Richards yeah. and Briere. Like it was, it was good. Briere. Billy Lano was really good. Um, that was like his playoffs. only good year. I had him in Buffalo and he was absolutely garbage. We're yeah. like, Billy, what happened, man? I think he got paid after that too. So good for oh, him. Oh, he was but... making five schmill a year and he just shut yeah. it down. He started playing guitar and painting every day. Like <laughs> Billy, like mix in like a squat once in a while. Just living oh, my life just, in Buffalo. He, eh? What a city. Oh, how can you not? Like there's so much to do there. <laughs> Um, okay, so that first game, you guys win six to five. Really, really good start, but you played not a very good game. You're a dash three <laughs> with zero points. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Are you disappointed in yourself or happy that you won? Like, what's your head going into game two? Yeah, of course. Of course, disappointed. Um, obviously, happy, happy that the team won, but. 
you know, you always want to contribute and like, uh, you know, usually in those high scoring games, you can contribute in a little bit. So, um, it was disappointing. And then, you know, that was kind of like an up and down finals for me. Um, I think I had three really good games and three bad games. Like I didn't play very well in game two. Um, I think. Or game four. Game four. Yeah. I struggled a little bit. And, Dash uh, four in that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't be afraid to bring those dashes up. I appreciate it, John. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I was going to ask you that later. I'm like, how was it? It was a roller coaster series for you. Like yeah. you scored seven goals in three games or seven points in three games. And you were dash seven in the other three. It's right. just so right. strange. Yeah. So, so like, like, really big up and down. Like I played well in game three, played well in game five, and then, you know, had three points in game six too. So now why is that? Is it just luck or matchups uh, or what's yeah. going on? Yeah. You know what? I, to be honest with you, I give, I give, I give Q a lot of credit. He, uh, he switched lines after game four and he put Taser, Hosa and Kopecky, Kopecky together. And then it was me sharpie and ladder um and then well lad was actually hurt for game five but mm -hmm. um or sorry game four so it was me sharpie and ladder for game five and six and then uh it was bolin versteeg and bufflin and you know that's three pretty good lines right there what so like lineup, we were just yeah. kind of like we were rolling those three um buff buff and bully's line played amazing in uh in game five as well and then our line had a really good game six. So got to give Q credit. You know, he, he, he really knew how to read a bench and how to like play guys with certain guys and uh, you no know, different in that situation. Yeah. So you, you, you get up to nothing, two close games, six, five, two, one, and then you go to Philly. Are you thinking we're going to close it out? Or is the family traveling with you at this point? Everybody, the whole crew, like what's, yeah, what's no, the plane ride like? No family yet for me. Um, I think, a lot of guys would probably wait for the, the clinching games. So, okay. Um, game three, we lost in overtime, right? If I remember yep, correctly. Four, yeah. Three in overtime, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're back in the series. You know, we score that, we score that goal. It's, it's three nothing. We're looking pretty good. So now it's two one. They got game four at home. They beat us pretty handily at, uh, at home in game four. So, you know, all of a sudden it's a best of three series and uh, just try to win that one at, at home game five. And then that's when all the families started, you know, thinking about traveling out and uh, and coming to game six in Philly. And Philly's like, you know, as you know, Johnny, like the, Philly's a oh. tough place for like fans, yeah. you know. So like my, fun. my family's like right in the, right in the middle of it. Um, uh, you know, I got three younger sisters they're like, you know, yelling at my sisters, yelling at my parents. I have four really? buddies in the crowd, actually. Yeah. And uh, four of my buddies came down, actually. Uh, they were in the 300 level, but I remember scoring the goal to win in overtime and looking up at them. And of course, you know, you got four guys from Buffalo. They're, you know, throwing rights heckled. and lefts. Yeah. Throwing rights and lefts with the, the Philly fans just in a big fight. <laughs> so I just scored the goal to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup. And I'm looking up at my buddies at a fight. So I'll always remember that, too. Philly is the only rink where I've had full cuts, cups of chew dumped on me in the penalty box. <laughs> I've had full cans of Bud Light chucked at me trying to get from the rink to the bus. Right. Because for those of you, obviously, who haven't been there, there's like a 30-foot gate above where you get on the bus, and the fans just – they just chuck things at you. 
sometimes, not all the time, but I don't know why it was that one time. But yeah, it's just, it's a zoo. It's an absolute zoo. Philadelphia. So you gotta, people, I don't you gotta walk into the rink with headphones on and you gotta stay out of the box, Johnny. Well, that's, that's not my style. I'm just doing the single one finger salute, walking in, <laughs> just heckling everybody, getting them riled up. So <laughs> let's backtrack. You, you get close game three, lose game four. It's two, two. The flight back has to be a quiet one. Who's st- do you remember anybody stepping up? It's a young team. Who's who's like who's the guy who said something like on the plane or after the game or before the next game? Is it the coach? Is it some players? Like who's jumping in to kind of let's figure this out, fellas? Yeah, it wasn't really like uh, I think like honestly I look back at that season and I've said this before, but we were just like so young and like almost stupid to realize like the magnitude of the situation, what was going on. Like we were so confident in our team and like what we had, it wasn't really like anyone needed to step up and have like a, a raw, raw speech. I mean, like I said, Quinville changed the lines around a little bit. Sometimes that, you know, kind of jumpstarts some things and creates some excitement, but um, it wasn't like anyone really gave like a big speech or anything. I mean, obviously, you know, Taser's an amazing leader. He's uh, yeah um you know always very vocal in the locker room but there's other guys too you know like Seeds is very vocal to look for guys to look look at guys from you know Hosa to Sharp to Dunks um you know a lot of a lot of good players in that locker room a lot of good leaders too Soupy as well that was that was actually a big turning point for us in the playoffs uh Soupy was hurt going into the playoffs and we had to put Buff back on defense and then when Soupy came back, Buff moved up to forward and he absolutely dominated against Vancouver in the second round. So, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of guys had their moments on that team for sure. Well, what's your – after going dash four in game four, how much pressure – because at that point you were minus seven with only one assist. <laughs> well, and you I had know. a fairly good – you had a pretty good regular season, but for for a player of your caliber to be minus seven – with only one assist, that's got to sting a little bit. I got um, the stats a little bit wrong. I had a goal and an assist in game three, so. Oh, I did. Oh, sorry. Two but points. Still I appreciate minus seven. you just keep bringing up that plus minus. That's that's awesome. So. Are you putting pressure on yourself? But in all seriousness, what what is your mental game going into game five? Yeah, it was different for me back then. Like I back then, I probably if I looked at the sheet, I probably only played like. You know, I don't want to say only, but I was playing like 16, 17, 18 minutes. And, uh, you know, or nowadays I'm up to like, you know, 22 or 23. So it was like you knew you are going to get out there in good situations with Q as a coach and in situations mm-hmm. where you could be like successful offensively, especially at home. And um, that's what we were counting on to do. So, you know, I think I scored the fourth goal in, in game five, and that was like a big relief. I think it made it 4-1, and it was like – um that was a big goal to kind of contribute and help the team and and kind of get things back on board again and then sharpie scored as well late in game five i think to make it seven to five yeah and uh um, nice to be part of that one too so all of a sudden you know after a couple tough games as you like to mention um uh, you're feeling pretty confident going into game six uh, Patty, do you remember like going into that series? Do you guys have like a, a scouting report for Boucher, or, or kind kind of like what was your approach to him? Do you, do you play him any differently than any other goalie? Or is it just kind of another matchup? No, the only thing about him was we, we knew he was injured. So I mean, I don't I don't want to um, 
speculate what his injury was. Um, I think he might have had like, I don't know if it was a torn ACL or, or uh, some other type of knee problem, but um, we knew he wasn't moving that well. So I think the thing was to try and get him moving side to side and, and make him struggle a little bit that way. All right. So now we got to talk about game six. Going into overtime in Philadelphia, did you know you were going to score the game winner? Was it like a Paul Henderson type moment for you? Your 21 year old kid, just like confidence brimming. Did you just want that goal or what, what are you guys thinking? You're like, we got to close this out. Cause if we go back to Chicago, who knows game sevens, it's a toss up. Yeah. Like, just like scoring an overtime winner to win the Stanley cup. Like, come on. Like, yeah, I know. It's like, on. even to this day, it's kind of hard to believe. Get the line. Turns, won't shoot. Kane, watched by Kimo Tiemann to the net. Yeah, he stopped it. Where's the puck? It came loose on the other side. It's, it's over. Patrick Kane has scored the goal. The Chicago Blackhawks' long drought is over. You know, it's what uh, it's what every kid dreams of. You know, scoring scoring the goal to win the Stanley Cup in overtime. And I kind of knew if I had a chance, just to throw it on that and and hope for something that. Uh, um, I was going to do it. So, um, got that opportunity, you know, made a little move coming down the wall and just threw it on that. Um, and just kind of saw it hit that back pad. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy because, you know, no one really reacted. So I think that's, you know, why I celebrated the way I did and just went crazy just to sell that I scored, scored the goal and the puck was in the net. So, um, and even after, like, you know, talking to my family and, and my friends and, and some of my teammates are like, you just scored the goal in the Stanley Cup. You know, that's amazing. And it was like, it, it didn't really even hit you at that point. It was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's cool. But it was just like, I don't know. It, it didn't really sink in for a little bit. And, you know, even to this day, I have, I have bad dreams sometimes that that puck didn't go in and I'm throwing all my equipment off and uh, celebrating down the ice. And it's just like, it's a bad dream. But, um, you know, thankfully it did go in. So did you ever – now, why did you not pass that puck? Because in all honesty, <laughs> it's not a great high – like, it's not a good shot if, if you're a hockey player. Like, that's a low um, – it's not a high-scoring area. And you did right. have um, Patrick Sharp with you. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, did that ever cross your mind or did you just know the whole time, like, I'm going to shoot this? Because Patrick at that time, he did have four goals – yeah. He he was plus six at the time. He was having a pretty good series. I was, I just or did you yeah, just, I'm just so, gonna throw it on him. Yeah, no, uh Sharpie's not afraid to mention that he was opening the slot too. And uh I was you know, Q always liked the play where you kind of shoot from a bad angle. And I, to be honest with you, I wasn't really shooting the score. I was shooting for maybe like a rebound and you know, Lad was in front, so maybe it pops out to him or something, but I was just shooting it on that. Um just trying to get it get it in his feet or something and try to create some havoc. But um, looking back at the play, like both Philly skaters kind of went towards me, so I probably could have threw it like behind my back or something to Sharpie in the slot. And he was ready. He was ready for it. But um, I always joke with him because he, he gives me a hard time saying, like, you know, right after, yeah, we won the Stanley Cup. That's awesome. You scored. But, hey, I was, I was wide open in the slot, man. Like, you should have <laughs> fed me. So It's uh, one of the most epic celebrations I've ever seen for a cup. Like yeah, just... you know, it's like there was like three different celebrations. I mean, the one I had, then 
you know, one where it was like we thought it was in the net, and then where it was, and then another one where there was like actual confirmation, um, and then it was just you know everyone knew that we actually won, so that was kind of how it all went down. What's your out of the whole playoff series? What's your most memorable moment? Is it the cup? Is it the game winner? Like that series or just the whole Yeah, just uh, the whole thing. Like it's just your first cup, you're twenty one. I can't even yeah. imagine. Like you just I'm just watching the goal now. You just totally dangled teaming in. Yeah. Like he had you in a good spot and you just shake and baked him and just went right around him. Yeah. There's I mean, there's a lot of good moments from that series. Um like I remember trying to counter hit Pronger and he just like like it wasn't it wasn't happening. <laughs> like he just like folded me up in the corner. Um, that was kind of fun to try and hit him and just get like, like realize how strong he was. Um, I remember Danny Breer was just on fire that series as well as Billy Lane. Also, it's tough to like play against those guys because, you know, if they had an opportunity to create some offense, they were going to do that. Um, but I don't know. I just think the con- contributions from everyone throughout the whole playoffs, it wasn't just like one or two or three guys. It was, so many different guys chipped in. Like even look at like like that last goal, like Nick Boynton's on the ice for for the the winning goal of the Stanley Cup. Like you you wouldn't expect that to to be the case, you know. It was just like yeah. everyone kind of had their their moment, their place. We didn't even talk about Niemi. Like he was unbelievable in that San Jose series. He was he kind of took over the starting job and, and did a really good job for us. You know, the rest of the season too. It was a great it was a great run. Yeah, it was. So now you're getting the cup. They give it to Taser. That's great. Then they're announcing the con Smythe. Now, what's going through your head? You're like, geez, I just scored the overtime winner. <laughs> I am all, led led the playoffs. I was top three in points. I'm gonna win this trophy. Like I led my team in goals. The winner of the Conn Smythe Trophy, Jonathan Taze. What's going through your mind when they say Jonathan Taves? Is that does that sting a little bit? No. Or a lot. A little bit or a lot on a scale no. of nine to ten. What's the sting <laughs> threshold there? Honestly, at the moment it was it was like he was he was awesome in the playoffs. I think he had like one of the longest point streaks of um maybe Blackhawks history in the playoffs. He might have like a eleven or twelve game point streak. He was he was so really? consistent for us. Wow. Yeah. And he was like he was playing injured in that finals as well. So um I don't think a lot of people know that, but I think he tweaked his knee or something as well, and he uh, battled through it, played. You probably wouldn't even notice if you watched the game. So um, he was well-deserving. Um, you know, I look at, like, obviously it was nice to win in 2013. I think Crawford probably could have won it in 2013 as well. Mm-hmm. And, like, Dunks winning in 2015. So it's an amazing trophy. Um, you know, obviously your team – probably has to win the Stanley Cup to win that trophy but to be you know probably the best player on the team that won the Stanley Cup I think that's maybe one of the best trophies in sports it's only happened twice where the losing team has got an MVP there you go uh Patrick Waugh was once I don't know who the other one was Jaguar I think Jaguar yeah yeah I've heard lots of hockey historians they say that the two best trophies to win are the Conn Smythe and then an all-star MVP 2016 Honda NHL All-Star MVP scored two goals in the tournament and wins as a right-in candidate, John Scott! <laughs> That's a fact. Like Which one's all better? All the historians. Well, they say 
it's harder to win the all-star game MVP because it's the best of the best. That's it. You know, well, look at my career. You know, I want, I want to con Smythe and I've been to eight or nine all-star games. I've never won an all-star game MVP. So there you go. Probably minus minus 50 in those (laughs) games too. (laughs) You might have to look that up and tell me next time in front of, in front of the whole world. Oh gosh. We only get Good 15 stuff. to 20 people who listens to this. So don't worry about it. Yeah, doubt so, that. All right. One more, one more question. And this is a serious one. I think this is interesting. You were mentioning the final goal, those five guys, potentially five hall of famers, the lineup you had, and just, is there any like competitive, the relationship, does it fuel you guys? Like even to this day with you and Johnny, is there any like competition between you guys or is it just like you support each other totally? I just think that's so strange to have two high end guys on the same team for so yeah. long at such a young age. Like what's, is there anything there? Like, Oh, Johnny scored. I got to score. He's doing the, he's out there working early. I got to get out there early. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Probably the best question you asked all on podcasts, but. Thanks um, Patrick. <laughs> there, oh, I, I mean, absolutely. There's some, some, some inner competition. Um, there's no doubt about it. And um you know I think sometimes you know like when he's playing really well like I up my game and I start playing better too just because he's he has that effect on you so um but yeah you're always watching what he's doing I mean he's he he works so hard he's always trying to get better whether it's off the ice or on the ice so you're always keeping an eye on him because you know that he's like a good measuring stick you know so um but I think that goes for, you know, a lot of guys I played with. Like, I could say the same thing about Sharp. Um, he was an unbelievable player for us for a long time, and he was fun to compete with. Um, Panarin, the same thing when he was with us. He was fun to keep an eye on and practice what he was doing to, to try and get better. So, um, you know, obviously, Hoso was an amazing teammate, but you learn from, from a guy like that just the way he plays the game, you know, the way he backjacks and, yeah, and strips pucks and turns it into offense. So it was uh, no, I've been around a lot of great players and definitely blessed. Yeah, you've had a heck of a career. Well, how long are you gonna play? How long? How many more years? I don't know. What do you think? Just, just uh, I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about that to be honest with you. Just try and try and enjoy it and uh, keep playing until. So so... <laughs> no, I'm serious. I don't know. Such so perfect. I guess. Uh, I guess I'm at that point now where I'm not really. Hopefully not thinking about the end of my career for, for a little bit. I know. You're only 31. You got lots of time in front yeah. of you. All right, Kaner. Well, listen, man, this was a pleasure, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to talk I, to you. Um, I always get worried because I'm like, ah, he's going to be so bad. Do we get Kaner? <laughs> and you killed it. You were absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. I forget how nice you are. Well, I just good. tell people you were just an a-hole all the time. <laughs> I thought you probably do, actually. <laughs> no, I don't. I would never. Well, you no, made it no. easy on me, so we'll give you all the credit. All right, Kaner. Well, listen, I don't want to waste any time. Good luck if you guys right. start playing. Yeah, thanks. I really, I really uh, mean that. I think you guys will – you match up well with Edmonton. You match up with, yeah. with anybody, really, you know? Yeah. Nice to talk to you and reminisce a little bit, too, But We'll be right back with more One Goal on Dropping the Gloves. This series is brought to you by Manscaped, the best grooming tool out there. They offer precision engineer tools for you. They have obsessed over their technology, their developments to provide you with the absolute best tools for your grooming. Now you wanna talk about grooming. I have a large body to groom. And when I say large, I mean from top to bottom. And this tool, I got it a few weeks back. It is a game changer. I used to have the old school bzzz, 
buzz that just you could hear from three towns over. It was so loud. This one is super quiet. It trims my ears, the insides, the outsides, the back. I have hair all over my ears. It gets my neck nice and clean, my shoulders, my chest. Like it is a game changer when it comes to cleaning yourself up. I, I came out of the room the other day after cleaning myself up. My wife said, John, whoa, what's different? I'm like, hey, what, am, what can I say? Manscaped, they hooked me up. Not only did I look good, but Manscaped, in order for me to look good, they spent the last 18 months developing the perfect tool and they named it the Lawnmower 3.0. Let me tell you about this little tool. It has a ceramic blade to reduce cuts, which is huge. I, I, I don't know about you, but every time I'm done grooming, I have little nicks and cuts all over my body. So just that in itself, you had me, you had me at hello. But it, in addition to that, they have a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes. When I'm on the road doing an event or when I played, I would be in the middle of shaving my beard and my buzzer would crap out. And I'd be like, what do I do? I don't have anything else. I don't have a charger. Like, how, how do I get out of this situation? If I would have had a tool that lasts 90 minutes, I would have never had that issue. In addition to that, it's water resistant. You could bring it in the shower, get your hair nice and soft and malleable. It just cuts it right off. They have an LED light so you can see what you're doing. The motor is 7,000 RPMs. That's insane. That's like a motorbike. It has a cool little charging stand. You throw it on the countertop. It looks like a piece of art. Everyone's like, what is that thing? It's like, oh, it's my grooming tool. No big deal all that and then guess what you don't even have to pay full price for this thing if you go to manscape.com today you will not only get this great lawnmower 3.0 or whatever else you order they have so much stuff on their website you get 20 percent off and free shipping isn't that crazy now you only get this if you use promo code john scott 20. so go to manscapes.com enter promo code john scott 20 and you get 20 percent off you get free shipping and as a little bonus as a little carrot to dangle in front of you animals because I know you like more and more and more the first 25 people who use promo code John Scott I will personally send you an autographed picture maybe a hat or a shirt something cool to kind of spice up this deal a little bit more if it are if it already wasn't hot enough I'm gonna add a little cayenne pepper in for you but in order to get that deal you have to enter promo code John Scott 20 and send me the receipt, either DM me or email me or use my website. Just get it to me somehow with proof. And the first 25 people that do that, I will personally send you something myself. I will write you a little thank you card because this is how much I believe in this product. It's so cool. So let me wrap this up. You go to manscaped.com. You order something. You use promo code John Scott 20. You get 20% off your whole order. You get free shipping. When you're done with that, you shoot me the receipt that says you use my promo code. I will personally send you something myself me john scott you just give me your address give me the receipt and i'll send it wherever you are in the whole world that's a guarantee the first 25 people so do it quick because i guarantee you after this episode there will be hundreds of people trying to get this little gifty poo and this lawnmower 3.0 so anyways go to manscape.com and use promo code john scott 20 to get yourself a sweet little gift cheers everybody so it's so cool to hear him talk about the overtime winning goal like what an experience for him to like, like as a kid, we talked about it earlier. Like that's what you do when you're a kid, whether you're on the pond, you're in the driveway, you're in your basement, you're on a tournament on the road in the hallway, you're scoring the Stanley cup overtime game winning goal. And he, this guy did it. He was 21 years old when he did it. Like that is insane. It's insane. And the guy who passed him the puck, let's, let's, let's touch in with soupies first. So Brian Campbell passed this guy, the puck, and no one even thinks about it. No one talks about it. All the highlights, all you see is Kaner slipping it in far side between um, the goalie's legs. 
Soupy made a great play on the blue line to make this play possible. So let's here, let's talk to Soupy, get his take on it, and we'll be back. So yeah, let's just fast forward to the to the winning it. A lot of work to do. So the final goal that year, Kaner scores in overtime. I don't think people realize how much you had to do to get that goal. Without you, there's no final goal. Thanks, do you John. remember do you remember getting an assist on that goal? I do remember getting an assist on that goal. Okay, so Vaguely. you're not just completely oblivious. Do you no, do you no. remember that going in? Did you see it go in, or were you one of the ones who kind of I, I was still playing? I was still playing. I was still playing lots of hockey. So did not see it go in, was looking up in the mesh. Um, honestly, like, I was vague, like, vague about that goal, too, because a few days later, like, um, somebody I was signing an autograph, a puck, they're like, can you write uh, – game-winning assists on um, uh, Stanley Cup final on that goal. I was just like, really? I'm like, I did that? I was like, oh, yeah. Like, totally, like, totally. And when they do show Kaner's goal, I get really mad if they don't show the – like, they sh- they cut it and they just show him, like, geeking, uh, teaming in on the sidewall. I'm like, you got to show, like, rewind it back, like, a few seconds just so I can get in there. Well, no, and, you picked it they, up off the wall and dragged know, it to the middle. I know, but sometimes they cut, they cut it, like, right when I pass it to them so you don't see me. I'm like, come on, give me a little credit and rewind that I'm surprised that you didn't seconds. shoot it with that howitzer you have. I should have shot it because that could have been me with the game winner. That's what oh. I would say to Kaner. You wouldn't be interviewing me. You'd be interviewing someone way better. Or I wouldn't <laughs> be interviewing you. You'd be on with someone way, way better. Yeah, but I guess I'm not – I guess I'm a uh, – a fairly smart hockey player to give it to 88 so uh not a bad play right it takes two to tango as they say you know you, you don't just score a goal without someone passing you the puck and soupy doesn't get recognition for that he's one of the smoothest skating defensemen in the league and he makes really slick plays on the blue line and that was a heck of a play to kind of pick up that puck and make a move and give it down to caner so kudos to that like i, I think he get he should get a little more um recognition for that play in itself but anyways we talked to Kaner we talked to Soupy let's talk to Q how he celebrated the Stanley Cup his perspective on the game-winning goal what he was thinking when the puck went in if he even thought the puck went in on itself and just the whole Stanley Cup series we're going all out for the Stanley Cup final everybody if you haven't even noticed we're pulling out all the big guns so here coach Q take it away my man so you swept San Jose you, you were flying high. You're feeling good. What do you do between series? Do you give the boys a couple of days off or what, what's the, the game plan there? I thought our playoffs, uh, we, we, we seem to be from the year prior to that uh, year. I thought this year and 2010 was the year where it seems like we're kind of more predictable and days off would be like, we'd be on day on day off uh, in between series. And then once we got in between series, we'd be just have a morning skate, no practices between the games when it's on every other day. Um, sometimes there's two days in between. We'd skate the day before the game. Um, but uh, after games, we wouldn't be skating the next day. Um, you know, get a few guys out on the ice, uh, keeping them sharp as well. But uh, we'd have morning skates, uh, you know, 20, 15, 20 minutes, get, a, get the guys uh, up for the games those mornings. And if it was an afternoon game, there'd be no skate. So you're, you're prepping for Philly. Who – was a 500 team in the play uh, in the regular season, so they they surprised a lot of people making the, the playoffs. Can you prepare the players for what it's going to be like to play in a Stanley Cup Finals, 
None of those guys have done it except for Hosa. Do you try to build them up or do you try to calm them down? Or what, what do you do before the Stanley cup final game one for all these young kids? Well, we, you know, we, we, we did the same kind of prep every game uh, or every first game going into it, uh, the series, we'd, uh, we'd go over the opponents and the players would uh, do their thing. So it was always a kind of a Lucy uh, fun meeting a couple of days before. And uh, I think that might help to, you know, get us a little bit more comfortable. Obviously there's a little different uh, environment when you're playing for the cup and there was some newness to it. And uh, Johnny Madden was around too. He'd been through it. Uh, he helped uh, in those situations as well. Uh, you know, when you get deep uh, and, ho and host for sure, um, you, know, to, you know, as we went deeper in the series, those guys, uh, you know, they had some good things to say on how you uh, want to prepare when you got a chance to win the cup the next day. But going into it, I, I thought that was just the same thing. We don't change too much. We didn't, uh, uh, just basically one game at a time. I thought uh, that series started uh, with Philly was, uh, game one was a crazy game. Um, everything went in the net. Um, I thought we, uh, as the series went on, we played uh, our two best games, game five and six. And uh you couldn't ask for anything more than uh, the, the way we competed and played, uh, you know, when, when the games were the most important games of our, our lives. Yeah, it was a strange series where the first game there was 11 goals, the second game there was three, then back up to high-scoring games. It, it's just in the playoffs, you don't see high-scoring games like that. What Was it just two, two good offenses or just – the goaltending was terrible. <laughs> uh, game one might have been the goaltending was tough. I thought after that, uh, the goalies were, were fine. I thought they had a couple lines that were hard for us to contain. Briere's line was uh, Leno and uh, Hartnell. That line was excellent for them. Yeah. Uh, tough to contain. Um, I thought we started getting some balance uh, as we got along, going, got going there. I thought we, uh, I really liked the way the lines were uh, connected uh, Buff uh, added a, an ingredient of uh, trying to you know get some room for his line mates um you know I, I thought uh, you know Johnny uh, as the, the games grew in that series he became uh, huge um I think when I think back to that series I think of you know them tying it up late and on that goal when they tied it up I'm sitting there Johnny got hurt and uh hurt his knee and uh and now we're going in overtime. I don't think Johnny's going to be able to play in overtime or what happens for game seven, if it's saying game seven. And uh, so Johnny ends up taking a shift after that goal and he was okay. And he's okay. We might have to see how this goes in overtime, but uh, he played it, played through it, played a shift or two. And, uh, you know, obviously Kaner scored early, but that was a, uh, he hurt himself. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure he would have played game seven, not even if he had to play on one leg, but it was a, uh, he took a bad hit there. And uh, that was a, uh, you know, there's another situation where people didn't know about that, but you know, you're talking about dunks coming back, but there, there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, some, some nights you didn't know would be playing the next day that would play and, you know, you would never know it, but the, the regular season game, no chance of even thinking of playing. Yeah. How, how excited were you? Like this is your first time as a head coach, potentially winning a Stanley cup. You're, you're up to nothing. And then you're down. You, they tie it up to go two to two. What are you doing as a coach? You're like, okay, two to two. Like it's a best of three series. 
like, are you, are you nervous? Like, what, what are you doing at home? Like, <laughs> are you sleeping? What, what's going on in your life? Uh, certainly, uh, two, two were sitting here back and going into Chicago and it was like, wow, this is, this is a, this is definitely a home field advantage. We want to make sure that uh, we're ready because, uh, you know, they're, they, they're excited about where they, they had that, uh, amazing run getting in the playoffs and, uh, and then, uh, what they did to get to the finals, you know, so obviously they had a lot of momentum. They believe they're on that amazing run. Um, and uh, they're a dangerous team. And we got our group here. We're sitting there, uh, you know, we're going to need everybody to play their best game. I thought uh, Host was a guy that kind of stood out game five and how well he played. But that was the best game we had played all year long. What a response to the situation and the timing, of the pressure of the situation we were at. Um, and then you, you look at it uh, and, then, and then you think about, okay, game five, wow, was that, were we ever on, on our game? And then we started game six, like that was, that was a continuation of, wow, I, this is the best our team's played all year long. And uh, it was fun to watch game six. We got ourselves in a great spot. We had a great, a great beginning to the game, Thought we lost the momentum. Uh, and then Philly made a real push at the end. Uh, we got a, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had, uh, we had to hang on there. We had, uh, they missed a good opportunity too late, late in the game. We're uh, now in an overtime, and anything can happen. And, uh, you know, at Caner, I thought at the beginning of that playoff run, what he did in that shorthanded goal, and he ended it with, uh, you know, the special goal at the end of it where we were still looking for the puck. But uh, a lot of in-between stuff that was, uh, hey, there's a lot of good tests for our team. Um, I love the balance. I thought we got contributions from everybody. Uh, I thought it was, uh, it was a great big step for everybody uh, trying to, to learn how to win and what it takes to win. And we're all proud of uh, the accomplishment, knowing it's been a long time coming for the fans of Chicago. And, you know, 49 years is a long time to wait. And uh, being a part of that uh, was, was very special. So, Coach, I want to ask, uh, going back quickly to Game 5, I'm looking at the stat sheet, and Chris Pronger was on the ice for six of your goals, and he was in the penalty box for the seventh. I mean, what's what's the scouting report to play against, like you know, one of the best defensemen of all time? What are you telling your guys? How do you get under his skin? How do you get behind him? Um, and and did you like did you realize you were kind of making him look silly out there? Well, I would never ever say you're going to do that to prongs because it's usually the other way around. Uh, and some nights, you know, pucks are going to go in when you're out there. So I got a ton of respect for uh, prongs as a player, a person. Uh, having him uh, in St. Louis for all those years. I, I, nobody controlled or uh, had an influence on the game like he did from the back end. So it was, a, you know, it was one of those games. I thought Buff did uh, a lot of nice things, and uh, he's not an easy guy to contain all game long. And, uh, you know, you've got Kaner out there doing his thing. So there's, you know, it's, it's, it's some nights that we have some good matchups for us. Um, and, but uh, I'm sure Prongs has had his turn against a lot of these guys in, uh, in our teams in the past. And, Obviously, that was, you know, I'm not going to say it's by design. I, I just got a lot of awareness things when you are playing against prongs. And I thought Buff, uh, I thought Buff was, had one of those nights where he was a very, very effective guy, and that was part of it. The last two games, do you even do any coaching, or you just kind of let the boys go? Like, you, you've been well, through I mean, three I, series. You know like we let them go all the time, you know. I mean, it's, you know, I'm saying <laughs> Hey, just you know, go out there whenever you want. Come on, who cares, right? <laughs> <laughs> you 
you know, so you, you know, we, we, we prepare. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like, Hey, you, you know, the thing is that the preparation for game six was a little bit different. Uh, you know, you could sense, uh, everybody's, uh, you know, and you fly into Philly, we have a meeting when we got in there trying to give our guys some, uh, you know, let's, let's be comfortable. Let's try to relax tonight. And then you get some guys that have been in that situation. Uh, they speak up and, uh, and then, and then they, they tell them what it's like and, you know, just try to put yourself in the, in the right place and, uh, relax tonight. And, you know, tomorrow we'll get excited. And I thought, uh, you know, I thought they had a great response, uh, the preparation going into the day and the game. Um, and the guys were ready to go. Um, you know, it was a, uh, you know, fun to watch your team play their two best games of the year, the most important time. And, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what made our team special that they rise to the occasion and, uh, they love playing in big settings, and, and uh, they proved it in those games. Did you see the Kane goal go in? No. Your, no? No. Uh, the only I saw his reaction, but I still don't. And I kept waiting, waiting. I'm not going to – I don't want to lose everything and say, saying it's no goal, and everybody's going to – you know, I'm, I'm sitting here being, okay, if it's in, it's in. But if it's not in, how are we going to get everybody – okay, let's yeah. get back to playing. So I was waiting for the official official – and, uh, and Brad came out and told us it's official. So it was, and then we get to celebrate uh, on a delayed basis. And then uh, we watch the players at the other end. But uh, Kaner knew right away. Uh, you know, a couple of guys out there might have saw it as well. I think their goalie knew. Um, but it's, uh, hey, that was a that was a highlight uh, of our careers uh, as players, coaches. You know, the thrill of a lifetime for the organization. A big first step. Uh, um, you know, the memories uh, were special. We shared them with everybody. Um, you know, that was, uh, that was, that was great knowing the fittingness of the uh, Caner scoring that shorthanded goal against Nashville that got us on track. And then, and then, uh, and then and ending it like that, which was uh, pretty unusual. What's the room like afterwards? It's, I always think it's <laughs> almost better to win it on the road because you don't have all the distractions like you would at home. On the road, your team's there, and that's it, your family. So you can just focus on that and not have, like, all of the other stuff. So what's, what's the room like? Is it just chaos? Oh, the chaos, I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, everybody's excited. The coaches, we all go in our coach's room, and they go crazy in their room. So we go, you know, we're having our fun in our room. And, uh, <laughs> you know, light up a cigar and, uh, and, and enjoy and, and, and talk about, uh, you know, how, how hard it was, how, how much fun it was. Uh, the highs and the lows is something we always talk about in the middle of the series. Uh, you can't get yourself in that position where you're, you know, you're down and you, you think that oh, this is going to be so hard to overcome. And um, you have those moments too. And I think that's uh, as a teammate, yeah, you got to push yourself up and here, let's find a way. And then the, all of a sudden you, you come back and you make uh, you have a big win and you know, you can, uh, you can ride off that. And I, I always think momentum's huge in the playoffs. We talk about that a lot going in each round, knowing you want to keep it as long as you can and don't want to give it up and if you don't have it let's get it back and uh, I thought that team was one of the things that we did very well um, found a way to you know shift it in our in our way and I, and I think that uh, and we're pretty good about getting it to where when it was against us we we were at least in a position where we you know we they weren't getting we weren't getting dominated finally Finally, let's check in with Jesse Rogers. What was going through his mind? Because when you're a reporter, what's your sole job? It's to get interviews, to get that content. 
to get that media so you can get it out to the fans, to your readers, to your listeners, to your watchers. So let's check in with Jesse to see what he's doing. Is he in the press box? Is he down an ice level? Where is he? What is he doing? And what's going on when that puck goes in the net for that game-winning goal? All right, Jesse, what's going on, my man? So let's jump to the finals. They, they dispatched the Sharks, who were the best team in the league, four straight. Then they're going and play Philadelphia, who kind of was not supposed to be there. They were a good team, but they had a couple of big upsets early in the playoffs. Um, what's that like going into the Stanley Cup finals? The Hawks hadn't been to the finals, gosh, I don't know in how long. What's the vibe like? What's, what's the coach's kind of vibe and the players? Are they excited, nervous? Like, kind of walk us through that. Yeah, no, those are good questions. De- definitely some excited nerves. Uh, combina- let's com- make a combination of that. Some excited nerves. What I remember, and this is kind of vague, though, is that I knew the West, and we all knew the West so well. I mean, these were battles, obviously, before the playoffs and then in the playoffs. The East, when you're just ensconced in that whole Western Conference thing, the East was an unknown. And I agree with you, the Flyers weren't a favorite, but they were sort of unknown. And that's always a little nervous. Like, you just don't know what, what, what's going to get under their skin, right? We know what can get under the, the, the Sedin guys or the, you know, the Sharks and everything. But what are the Flyers all about? And so there was definitely a little bit of a feeling out process. Um, and maybe this happens every year in the finals. I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. But I do remember even myself thinking, I really don't know much about the Flyers. What, they weren't a, a marquee name during the regular season. What are they all about? They obviously are damn good. They got to the finals. So I do think even though they were at that you know, sky-high confidence after the conference finals, it was back to, okay, what are we facing right now? And are we good enough to beat them? I think that was some initial thinking. Um, maybe, I don't know necessarily if it was internal, but that's the way I felt from the outside looking in. So they win the cup. What's it like in the room? You're in Philly. You're on the road. They got all their family there. What's it like? Do you go in the locker room right away and just kind of what's that like to be in a Stanley Cup celebration? You know, even cooler than that is really to be on the ice. I mean, think about it. Media, reporters, we're never on the ice ever, ever. And I can skate a little bit, but they still don't let me on the ice. So um, to be, they allow you on the ice right afterwards, and it's just a free-for-all. You're just – what you're trying to do is grab the emotion of the moment. And you, you, by doing that, you just grab anybody you see. You don't sort of wait things out. I don't want to wait for Taves and everybody else kind of – the emotion dissipates, right? You just grab anybody. And that, and that's, in that moment, you grab anybody. Now, I can't tell you everybody I interviewed because I probably interviewed them, uh, interviewed them all. but it's raw emotion in that moment. You're, you're, you're on the ice with these guys, which you never are. They're still in uniform. They're, they have just carried the Stanley Cup trophy or skated with it. And so they are full of raw emotion. And all I remember is trying to interview as many guys as I could. I worked for ESPN Radio, obviously, as well. So I was uh, taking my cell phone out and putting guys on live on the radio back in Chicago so it, 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 it eventually you make your way to the locker room, but I didn't see the initial craziness in the locker room. I sort of saw it as it was dissipating a little bit later because it was just easier to do interviews um, on the ice. The locker room was so packed. So if you ask me about post game, I remember more about being on the ice than I do in the locker room, but we can talk about the parade if you want to get to that. But um, uh, on the ice was pure pandemonium. 
you're right, Hawks hadn't won in a long time. So all these colleagues of mine were all rushing around trying to get these interviews. And again, the point of the interview is to grab the raw emotion of the moment. That was, that was awesome. I know I've used the word epic throughout this series, but that was so cool to get each of those guys' perspective on that last game and that last series. Like, how cool was that? I loved hearing Jesse's perspective of, like, being on the ice, being in the, in the dressing room, being on the plane. I mean, it, people dream about winning, obviously, but I dreamed of just being a fly on that wall to see those guys celebrate together and, and know what it's really like to be in that room. So it was pretty cool to hear Jesse's take on that whole thing. And, of course, to hear Patty. Although I got to say, I still laugh out loud Patrick Kane scores the, the winning goal Stanley Cup overtime, and you ask him why he didn't pass the puck. <laughs> Sharpie's open. So is Soupy. Why did he pass it? <laughs> it's just that it's, it's not a good scoring chance. If you're, like, taking stats, the game's all about analytics now, that is not a good – that's not a great H chance. That's not, a, that's not a great B chance. That's just like a Corsi bump where you throw the puck on the net and you go, oh, I got a shot on net. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a legit question. I think it's cool when he does score, both Q and Soupy did not know the puck went in. And if you watch the video, you watch Soupy, Kaner is already passing him with his gloves about to be flung off into the air. And Soupy takes a double and triple check back to the net to make sure that the puck is in. Like he still has his stick in his hands and he's like still in game mode. Whereas Kaner's already like celebrating at center ice. So it's kind of cool on Q. You see him, he's kind of hugging his assistant coaches and he's kind of not like he doesn't know whether to celebrate or call his team back. So it's kind of cool to see that a dichotomy, that atmosphere going on where it's like, should we celebrate? Should we not? This guy's losing his mind and celebrating over here, but maybe we got to like figure this out. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. But when it's all said and done, they won the Stanley cup. When you look at their roster from top to bottom, I think you have to put their team up with some of the best teams of their decade. And people forget about guys in their team, the Thomas Kopetskis, the John Madden, the Adam Burrishes, the Andrew Lads, the Chris Fatigues, Troy Browers. Like these are names that went on from this team to be stars on other teams, to be captains, to lead other teams to Stanley Cups. Like Dustin Bufflin, he was a forward on the Hawks and he's like, up for Norris trophies two or three years later. Like, it's just so cool to see this team at this point. They're the, like, it's 20 guys who are absolute stars, maybe out of 20, but 15 stars on this team. It's just so cool that they put this all together and won this cup. It really, really is. I don't know. It's a great story. It really is. And have Marion Hosa, we didn't even talk about him really the whole series, like the unsung hero to come into this series and finally get his cup to go through two straight game sevens in the Stanley cup and not win with Pittsburgh and Detroit and to finally get one with the Hawks. It was so cool to see him lift the, lift the cup over his head. So I don't know. I'm getting goosebumps. It's so cool. Yeah. So John, uh, we just covered the Stanley cup finals. Is that, is that it for the whole series here? No way, Jose. We got to talk about the party. We got to talk about the parade. We got to talk about the millions of people in millennium park. So when the Hawks won that cup, it was complete pandemonium. And how could we not cover that? So next episode, stay tuned. We're going to talk about what it was like in the parade. What it was like, you know, celebrating winning a Stanley Cup. And these are stories you don't want to miss. Because these, these are the fun stories. We talked about kind of the, the game planning, this and that. 
let's talk, let's have some fun. That's what next episode's all about. So anyways, I appreciate everybody for uh, listening. I love the support. Please tell everyone, please go and jam the like button or the five stars or the comments or wherever you get your podcast. That helps us, us out. That helps us keep doing these cool series and great podcasts that we're trying to put out for everybody. So anyways, appreciate it. Stay safe and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.